December 12, 2020. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
Watt for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. Uh, started off with John Coltrane doing Satellite. And then Harvey Gold with March of the Elephants. And Brother Matt, Love Grotto, Pleasure Point, a couple miles south because we're still in great quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone because those amazing uh, Estonian software engineers with their righteous Skype invention, I got Mr. Harvey Gold from Akron aboard to talk with me. Welcome aboard, Harvey. Thank you, Mike. Glad yeah. to be here. Big, big fan of yours. It's really an honor. And uh, off-air people, we were talking about uh, acquaintances, mutual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Uh, Chris Butler, Mr. Uh, Alan uh, Ravenstein. And, uh, you know, I- I've ha- had both those guys on the show twice. But now it's my big honor to have you aboard, Harvey. Harvey, please... Because uh, I want to go through your fucking journey through music. So uh, can you uh, recall your earliest musical memory for us? Uh, my very first single, first single I ever bought. My big brother, who was 11 years older than me, which is was great because he was turning me on to all this old stuff, um, took me down to the, the, the weird record store in Akron um, where the Beatniks were. And I bought my first single, which was... Uh, uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance by Gene Pitney. Oh, yeah. And, and this, it, was, it had the best fiddle part ever. And to this day, it's got the best fiddle part ever. I, I think it, later on there was a cat, John Otway. Who's that? John Hartway? Otway with the O. Who did that song? Yeah, with the fiddle and shit. Yeah, you got to cover that song. That's okay. a great song. Okay. So that was the beginning. And then it was just like any kid that was, you know, I'm, I, what am I, like four or five years older than you? Uh, you know, uh, the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan and, and everything changed for everybody forever. What I'm, what I'm wondering about is the Pad Nackman you grew up in. Was there musical instruments? Uh, my parents got a piano for me when I was seven. And I started taking... Uh, piano lessons from a woman named Blanche Stewart, whose greatest contribution to me was giving me a book about the hollow earth where all the UFOs came from. Of course. Also, there's a shortcut to the other side of the world, right? You know, it makes it easy. It makes it really <laughs> now, easy. Now, what was that experience? If that was the best thing she did for you, maybe the piano lessons weren't so happening? Well, you know, they were real standard issue things. And then when I was, uh, I think it was my 12th birthday, and yes, the Beatles had been on Ed Sullivan. My big brother came up to me and said, listen, dad's going to be really pissed at me. And he gave me my first guitar, which was a a Harmony uh, F-hole archtop six string. And uh, he was right. My dad was really pissed. And my dad said, you're going to stop practicing piano now. And I said, no, I won't. And I did. And I just started playing guitar all the time. It didn't actually take up keyboards again in earnest until, boy, oh, boy, it must have been towards the end of high school or actually maybe even after when I could afford to buy a proper keyboard to play in a band. Harvey. Yeah. You took lessons for piano. Yeah. Did you do that for guitar? Well, not at first. I did everything by ear at first. Um, I I actually was a uh, classical guitar major for as long as I was in college, which was really pretty much for a cup of coffee. Okay. What about, go before that, in grade school, were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that? 
in um, in high school, I was in like the vocal ensemble and the choir and all those things. I ended up getting voted most musical in my senior class. And I'm still and I got to tell you, Mike, if you could see me right now, the way that my body language went when I said it was like I was digging my toe into the dirt and looking down at an oh shucks way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What's, what's what do they call that? Humble brag. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> now, now and, and you did that just with your fucking voice. You weren't playing guitar or keyboard. Yeah, I was playing. I was in a little band in high school where we were doing lots of uh, this was my pre velvet underground days. So we were doing a lot of Tim Buckley and Beatles and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Buffalo Springfield and stuff like that. Mainly, you know, a lot of vocals. And uh, then uh, my pal Jim, I'd heard the first Velvets album, but my pal Jim turned me on the day that he got it to uh, the White Light, White Heat album. And my famous story, which I told a lot, is that I put the headphones on, he turned off the lights, um, turned it up, cranked it up, I laid down on his bed, I listened to I Heard Her Call My Name, um, which has the premier guitar solo in history on it. And then uh, listen to uh, Sister Ray. It was real weird because for a while I'm thinking, wow, this is really interesting because it's like really relentless and it's like a wall of sound, but it isn't with power cording. And, you know, I was just sort of listening to it thinking, God, this is kind of an interesting approach. And then my mind wandered and then it came back, you know, it's a 17 minute track. It came back in like the last five minutes. And all I could think is what the fuck just happened here? And uh, it ended. I took off the headphones. Uh, my pals came back into the room, said, hey, how'd you like it? I said, yeah, it's pretty good. And he said, so what do you want to listen to now? And I said, how about we listen to Buffalo Springfield last time around, he, which I love. To this day, I love. He put the needle down. I freaked out and went running out of his house, slammed into the garage door and went home. And, that, and I wasn't doing any drugs, Mike. Um, that completely changed me. It was like I went through a chemical change and what I did musically from that point on, well, you just listened to March of the Elephants, you know. That's right. That's right. So it was profound. It was really profound. Now, what was and big she, about me with Sister Ray was that fucking organ. Ah, jeez. Man, yeah. you know, in those days, we're talking early 70s, me and D. Boone, I first meet him. Mm -hmm. And keyboards cost buttload of money. Nobody played them in Pedro. Well, that's it. That's why I didn't start playing keyboards again until actually we I was in this little band called Rags, which predated Tim Huey. And uh, the big brother, our bass player, Mark Price, had this band that did an album on United Artists called Wild Butter. And they had a Farfisa in the basement. So suddenly my band could have some keyboards. And that's kind of how I got back to it. Wow. But what was the first live gig you went and saw is what I want to ask you, Harvey. You know what? As an old guy, I got to tell you, the first live gig I went to, this is a very weird one. It was uh, Dick Clark's Caravan of Stars at uh, the Akron Civic Theater. And uh, it was interesting because the headliner was this band that none of us had ever heard of uh, called Them. And the interesting thing about it was that uh, all I knew was that they were mop tops and they canceled and they were replaced with uh, the turtles. 
So we saw the turtles. I saw Peter and Gordon. But the interesting thing is, is that, you know, I, the big hit that Van Morrison had with them at the time was Gloria. And in Ohio, I, I, I really don't know whether you might know this, whether Gloria by them ever did anything in any areas of the States, because we knew that song is a huge hit by the shadows of night. Well, there was a lot of that stuff going on. I remember yeah. animals doing lead belly's house of the rising sun. Right. And right away. There was some like frigid pink or some shit, some books. It happened yeah. to Cap Beefheart too with Diddy Wah Diddy. Yeah, mm -hmm. dudes would co cover songs right fucking away and wouldn't even do different versions. No, it was, I gotta say, you know, Gloria was just like yeah, it was the shameless. one that shameless. Did, except with a different singer, you know. Because I think in those days you could get away, the things were more regional and so you could get away with shit like that. But, uh, you know, you talking about Akron? I'm thinking mm -hmm. about my time I got to record with Bob Quine. And he told me the first guy I saw play electric guitar was next door in Kent. Buddy Holly, the year I was born, 1957. No kidding. I wouldn't shit you, Harvey. No, I believe it. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's Northern Ohio has, has always been a crazy hot spot. It's just been a strange, strange joint. Either stuff that we generated or people that would come through here. Well, talk about coming through. Velvet Underground 23 times, I think, and Bob Quine recorded every Cleveland VU gig. I was at I was at LaCobb. I talked to Lou about it once. I, I, I was at LaCobb for a Velvet Underground show where it was, it was a fabulous moment because he walked up to the mic and he said, uh, so do you uh, people like the blues? And that, that was, what was it, 68, 69? Everybody was listening to, you know... Uh, Super Session, and all the white kids were listening to the blues bands and thought we liked the blues. And so all the kids went, yeah. And Lou said, well, we don't play any blues. <laughs> um, and then he follows it with, as a matter of fact, we fucking hate the blues. And then that's when he went into that historic, I know there's a recording of it, Bob probably did the recording of it, of uh, like a 40-minute version of Sister Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to play song for Joanne. Cornflakes, shredded wheat, farina, and maple. Cocoa Krispies were my fave, by the way, but this is the dawn of another day. I've been through the yogurts and the quinoa cups. Ran a mile and a quarter before you even got up, but I arrived at a very special time and place with a cup of joe and a hot boiled egg pressed up against my eye what well it's been going on for far too long long enough to merit whining in song my lower lid got a bump makes me look like a chump tried drugs and unguents and hot wash cloths always getting worse i'm thinking all is lost in my medicare year i feel that a line has been I got needles in my lid, but I refuse to cry until my credit it's more than just a sty with a hard-boiled egg pressed up against my eye. You might think repurposing breakfast food is the subject of this ballad, but it's really to explain why our fridge is stuffed to the gills with 
So, biscuits and gravy, steak and eggs and gravy, cheese and grits and gravy are all just fine as long as I stick a hot dry boiled egg against my eye. What? Need a hard boiled egg pressed up against my eye. Dry heat. Where's a hard boiled egg pressed up against my eye? It's in a sock. He has a hard boiled egg pressed up against my eye.
When forced to sing karaoke in a Berlin bar, my brother chose Johnny Cash. Mimicking the dulcet tones of my granddad, I watched him smile. The same half-grin he wore the night of his boxing match. Walking the line between tables, the same anthem. Gloves in the air, hands never truly able to grip sky. No one forced him to box, yet he trained daily. Treadmilling his body into valleys, he ran between construction sites and gyms. Always wearing some kind of uniform. Lifting weights my father had lifted before him. Bench pressing the bar from his chest. The match was called in 30 seconds. A nosebleed from his opponent. My brother lost on points. I'll do better next time, youth, he told me. Eyes focused on the ropes. As though he wanted to leave but knew that flames licked the sides.
see this. This is why my useful document that I left on the laptop and failed to sew is in the wrong place, where I'd actually written out the sort of arrangement of things. So what happens there after celebrate murder at no personal risk, or however we've written it, murder with no risk, celebrate edifice, edifice. That is when we go into an instrumentally sort of section where there's... Liberal ports, they and 
always been an abstract, but I feel time passing. Always mere conversation, never felt in my fiber. If you don't, don't try. Soon enough, if you're lucky, you will taste your time passing. So many ghosts now, you will see your time passing. You will hear your time passing as you hear far less. Talk about my face. Is this what will be? Is this what will be for good? chunk of music start off with Harvey Gold doing song for Joanne then the last from Subway uh, the new record that just came out called uh, Look Again this was the lost album that never came out in a tune called Subway song Windows to Nowhere Electronic Windows to Nowhere from Guided by Voices now this is Caddy Corner Ohio from you Dayton Bob mm-hmm. Pollard <laughs> this guy makes a couple albums every year at least yeah he's prolific with a capital P actually it's amazing. It's all amazing. upper yeah all upper case and you know I read in this interview where he, yeah you're from Ohio what's with the England accent and he goes look if I don't sing that way I'm going to sound like a hick <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, Sophie Sferum and Christopher Gregory out of now it's spelled we'd spell it Derby huh but they say Darby mm-hmm. with uh Ring of Fire, Celestial Cannibal, after that, Harper Roos and St. George, that's got the Delia Derbyshire, spelled like Derbyshire, mm-hmm. this lady, big pioneer, uh, electronic music before synthesis, you know, cut and tape. She uh, performed the first version of the Doctor Who theme song. We just got finished watching five years of Doctor Who. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and then that one, the first guy was kind of like your grandpa. He was an older man, less younger man, I'm sorry. Carl M. V. Wow, after that, Brighton, messages denied. Pineapple Empress from South London, Thelonious, Theloniousness, uh, that's tough. Alex Claver, 
out of Brighton. <laughs> he makes righteous bass uh, speaker boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tear it down, the practice version. Yeah, why not? A little banner afterwards. They're all England, even though you hear a guy with kind of a North American accent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexico's in North America, though. Vaguely. Yeah, right. Only Yucatan Central, I think. Uh, uh, Dose. Excerpts from a Captain Log. That's uh, Ustamente Trace album's going to come out. Kill Rockstars vinyl version, first time ever seen. And finally, Edola, which is in, inadvertently for Ralph in parentheses from Harvey Gold, and yeah, uh, Ralph Carney, buddy yours, and a lame ass accident. Yeah, Terrible. totally lame ass. I'm still pissed off at him. Yeah, not not not. Talk about how you because he goes way back with you, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So let's um, talk about this and give them some, so people know, you know, because okay. incredible well, uh, read man. Yeah, Ralph, Ralph uh, is younger than us. Um, he joined, we, we drafted him into Tin Huey right out of high school. When he got out of high school, we'd already been playing for a while. And uh, he's, he was just a wonderful, insane, um, you know, uh, force of nature. You know, and, and and honestly introduced me to a lot of stuff. It's very funny, you know, when people interview me and ask me what my big influences are. And for years and years, I'd say, you know, the Beatles and Captain Beefheart and the Stooges and blah, 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 blah. And I realized that a couple of my biggest influences really, at least as I look back at them now, are people that I've actually played with and have been friends with. I mean, Ralph was a huge influence on me and Mark Bryce, our bass player, was a huge influence on me aesthetically in in almost every possible way, not just simply um, how I made music. Idola was a, a funny story, though, and I was thinking about what you were talking about in the this last set you played. Um, I was thinking about how my first device that even vaguely pretended to be like a synthesizer was wonking the tape speed on an Echoplex. <laughs> You know, but um, we we should explain I, to the listeners that was a device to get echo. You actually it was a tape recorder that you could adjust the playback and record ads. Right, and and so it was like a digital delay in in its most uh, specific form. But if you because there was a tape on a tape head and there was a an actual control a slider that that. decided what the gap would be between the tape and the head. And if you hit a note and then grabbed it and just yanked on it and, and messed with it, you'd get all these and the, the the pitch would change and the speed would change and it, and you felt like you were being like really German or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And people, this is total analog. He he used the word digital, but just to give you an idea, because this was the analog days. Oh, yeah. It was magnetic tape. Right, right. Now, we we should, uh, yeah, so much respect to Ralph. But let's get into the Tin Huey thing, because we didn't really. Well, first, before I ask that, there was a Cap B, because you mentioned Cap B fart. I have heard about this gig. I think it was in Akron, that everybody in the old days of the movement was at. Were you there? Uh- he played uh, in Akron. Uh, he played a gig at this p- club called the Draft House, which was 
really, you know, more like a, I don't know what you'd call it, more like a, a rough place, like a biker barish kind of thing, mostly cover bands, absolutely no place for art rock. But I, I saw Beefheart like five times, and uh, um, well, one the, of them was at the Draft House. And yeah, I mean, any of us who actually gave a damn <coughs> all went to it, of course. Yeah, uh, well, this is why I heard... Uh, the numbers band was there. The Perubu guys were there. The Devo guys yeah. were there. Like everybody was at this gig. Yeah. Well, the... why? Why would you not? You know. <laughs> well, you know, like you hear about this Manchester gig with the Joy Division and Buzzcock guys, and they all right. made a band after this, right? And and the captain. You know, you said Stooges, too. I think these cats were actually doing punk music before there was a word for it. Well, I, I had a tendency to be pretty kind of an asshole about the punk movement because I'd been listening to the Stooges and the MC5, and I thought, so who are these pretenders coming around? And it wasn't really until The Clash where I finally said, all right, I think we have to start rebooting and give give some props to some of these bands. But, um, I mean, the only times in my life, Mike, that I've ever been uh, thrown into a world of physical violence on my part was either at a Stooges show or an Iggy show. <laughs> I mean, it's the only time. The only time. And, you know, I mean... So you never had shit thrown at you? Uh, on stage? Yeah. No. No, Tin Huey was a uh, was the thing about Tin Huey is that we we were described by Robert Christgau as playing art rock for laughs, and the interesting thing was being sort of an artsy prog band who really insisted upon playing everything at 180 miles an hour at about 140 decibels. <laughs> so, which is why we would mix, you know, weird shit like you know Ralph's song Puppet Wipes with TVI. You know, it's like we could do anything we damn well pleased. Well, yeah. that to me was the object of the movement to get rid yeah. of all those fucking genre uh, label chains burden. You know, we we were asked to play at the uh, the twenty first century version of Tin We was asked to get together and, and headline a Northeast Ohio punk show at the um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, uh, of course, we agreed to do it, but we kept saying, but we're not a punk band, so I'm not sure what you guys are doing. And the opening acts were friends of ours who were great. It was the, the Pink Holes and the Pagans. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And with Mike, you know. And then, uh, you know, with Mike Hudson. Yeah, we lost guy. him, right, just a yeah, couple of years ago. Yeah, we lost him. I think uh, here, in, here in SoCal, even. Yeah, he was in L.A. Yeah. But... Uh, I, so got, I, got, I got to stop you, Harvey, because we're at the end of the first hour. But I, oh, sure. Fuck, I could talk to you in 10 million years. <laughs> People, it's December 12, 2020, Dish Wapito Show special guest, Harvey Gold. Hold tight for hour two. December 12, 2020, it's the second hour of the Wap from Pedro Show. Full of shiny lights And eyes so wide they're mostly whites Mean Christmas time is coming around again If old men smile and don't complain Then take their walks with candy canes Christmas time is coming around again 
his own Christmas cookie Highs are jumping up and down Drive stuck in traffic Honking out the joyful sound It's my favorite time of year And I'm so glad that you're all here Cause Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around again Brothers creeping like a mouse To see what's hidden through the house Christmas time is coming around again Sister says she's gonna tell And then they both begin to yell When Christmas time is coming around again Daddy's flying up the stairs To get them to behave Shout now you kids are gonna put me in my grave Hoping to stay in good graces They both try to keep straight faces Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around again Christmas Day, well, it's almost here. Christmas time is coming around again. So tell me what you want to get, or it may be a Gia pet, cause Christmas time is coming around again. I'm not quite as thoughtful as the husbands on TV. So do me a favor, tell me what you want from me. Now it's my favorite time of year And I'm so glad that we're all here Cause Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around Christmas time is coming around again Merry Christmas, everybody. That my mama had died Was a long time ago I was just a little boy Don't remember if I cried Well anyway life goes on And the years they roll on by Some leave this world before their time While others stick around Can't help but wonder why Wonder why Can't help but wonder why I was talking to a lady the day she's raising three kids on her own their daddy had run away she said he used to be such a wonderful guy 
Some people, well, they just change. Can't help but wonder why. Wonder why. But honey, don't waste your time wondering. It's better to go plant a tree, or maybe go out and buy us a bottle of wine. We'll drink it down, just you and me. I wasn't sure if I'd still be here this far past my prime. Now I ain't got a whole lot to show besides a few thousand rhymes. Now you see that hawk flying above, sailing so free up on. If my soul has never soared like that, can't help but wonder why. Wonder why. Can't help but wonder why. Wonder why. Gotta wonder why. Gotta wonder why.
electric codes wave clues Voice encoded into sleep Open my eyes Crushed by physicality
disaster. Hey, disaster. Soaring over hope. Good night, hope. Crumpled dresses and nicotine stains. Damn the consequences and consequently damned. Arguing with exes in the bathroom, smooching out. Doom, doom. Walking with disaster. Wait up, disaster. Waking up with hope. Strangers and two oldest friends Linger over embraces Wander off before the end Now acknowledging apologies Distracted lies Repetitious old gossip Back to the world of the saints. Back to the world of the saints. Back to the world of the saints. 
busy just getting older too Seeing things just crystal clear Running down on empty fear Doesn't have to be warm to be home Doesn't have to smell good to be home Can be a little bloody and be home Billfold and the change purse Every color thinks hates the meat And you're no man unless you take the street Coming from the east, the south, the north And all our boys mount up and go to war Think first, win first, and go to war But there's blood in the house today Blood in the house across the way Blood in the house to be built next door We're at a bloody party But is it a bloody revolution, Joey? Yet another conversation A continuing education Show we start off the second hour with Christmas time is coming round again from the hi fi's. Uh, Sam Bennett can't help but wonder why. Shadowland with from the Thomas Scott Quintet out of Liverpool, Brother Phil. The hysterical injury, visions of trees, the world inferno friendship society with the pack, this pack funeral. Itchio with Larry's Rop finally in consideration to Joe Strummer, Harvey Gold. Now, I, off air people, I got to hear a righteous uh, Cleveland gig story with uh, Harvey uh, at the Stooges with Peter Lochner. But uh, Ig told me about this. He was doing some skull chewing tobacco tours, so they didn't give a fuck who came. It was a big ass <laughs> pad that was 
what we call these character builders, right? It holds like yeah. eight, ten thousand, and maybe had two hundred people there. There was not enough people to catch him when he stage dived, so he hit the cement deck full <laughs> on, and they his arm dislocated, all the shit dislocated, and put it in a sling and like fuck that. He duct taped his fucking arm to his abdomen and carried on. Oh my God. Well, you know, that's what we do. You know, it's funny. You've, you're, you're familiar with the numbers band, right? Bob Kidney and those guys. I think the, the brother of the pretender singer. Yeah. Terry Hine plays sax for him. And, uh, anyway, uh, they've been around forever and they really, at this point in time are my favorite band in the world. And, um, they play just this dark voodoo stuff, you know, um, when the, when the pandemic's over, the fact that they've been playing together for 50 years. Oh, you know what? I will. I'll send you a copy of their new album because they went into the studio. They've never had a good studio album. They just said, we're just going to play live and we'll do it four or five times till we get it the way we like it. But it's going to be a live album, but in the studio and it's spectacular. I'll send it to you. Oh. Anyway, I went to see him once and I noticed Bob with this yellow tape around his hand in his left hand. And he said, uh, yeah, it's, it was really weird. I, I, I kept playing. And when I play, my guitar was sounding wrong and it was sounding wrong all the time. And I couldn't figure it out. And I tuned it and I took it in and I had them check it out to see what was wrong with the guitar. And they, they did a setup and they figured it out and there wasn't anything wrong with it. And they gave it back to me. And one day I was playing and I looked and based on whatever, I don't know, arthritis, his pinky finger started shooting out away from his hand. So now he plays with yellow tape, like yellow electrical tape, holding his pinky finger in so he can make a chord and actually have it work. Damn. We do what we need to do. Hey, That's I, right. I, I, I Desperate times call for desperate men. Listen, there's nothing like having your fingers split open from sliding up a roto sound with a nub in it. And <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I toured, I, I did a couple of tours where uh, Michael Elward and Huey and Tim Huey and I just lived off of uh, super glue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And from my aisle, he cut up his fucking hands. That stuff saved his life. Let's talk about Tim Huey. How'd that, how'd, how'd that thing happen? Well, there was a band called Rags that was uh, uh, three of the guys from the Huey, Stuart, Michael, and Mark. And they were playing this, like, ridiculously insane freeform stuff where they would play uh, Substitute for, like, 25 minutes or Paul McCartney's. That would be something for uh, another 25 minutes. And, um, and I joined them on keyboards. And then Mark... Uh, how can we put it? He was playing guitar in the band. He had an event of sorts and sort of had to leave for a while. And that was the end of Rags. So Michael and Stuart and I, with me moving over to guitar and keyboards, started this sort of like T-Rexy acoustic-y band at the time called Tin Huey. And that's when it started because we then added a bass player, another guitar player. We went electric then we had changes in the band after about a year or so and brought Mark back, who was no longer having the particular event, as the bass player. And that was kind of how Tin Huey started. Okay. What was the, so 
it had a couple manifestations where it was completely different, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of organic how it moved forward. We had a well. A you're sax- talking when you say T Rex, you're actually talking Tyrannosaurus Rex when it's just two guys and they're kind of doing hippie. Well, we, yeah, we but we were doing stuff like from the Brown Ride a White Swan album when Bolin was doing, um, yeah, you know, starting to do some electric, but it was all like little tiny elf music. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was going to say Beard of Stars, Unicorn, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's a trip. That's a trip because I, I for some reason I always think of like kind of Henry Cow. I mean, not as avant garde maybe, but kind of down that road. Well, it it certainly went that direction. Uh, we started listening to a lot of you know one of the big influences uh, from Michael Stewart and me particularly was the Soft Machine. And oh, when Robert when Ralph, yeah, when Ralph Carney joined the band, we also turned him on to Soft Machine and. You know, certainly that was right down his alley. So um, we started doing some weird shit. We would do like uh, live, which was really the audiences loved us. I was just thinking about that movie, uh, The Velvet Underground, played my high school and how everybody just left, you know, while they were playing. <laughs> uh, we, we used to do a uh, about a 10 or 15 minutes of Faust's song. Uh, it's a rainy day, sunshine girl, and segue right into oh, soft okay. machines. Right into soft machines, we did it again. So that would be like thirty-five to forty minutes. That would be like a Tim Huey set. Yeah, and, you uh, know Faust. Really yeah. different bands between the records. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, here I want to play Made of Stars that you sent me. Oh yeah, you know that. Flames dance in the fireplace Candlelight move across my face Embers in the dark night Far away Fall brings thoughts that bite As I drift off to other times Now I'm lost in yesterday When I was young I thought we were made of stars When alone they'd show me what we are Our souls bathed in starlight We'd rise into the night When I was young I thought we were made of stars In Tothan Pines Memories float in my Georgia skies I want to see my magnolia tree Warm peaches in 
family ties The river banks I used to climb Couldn't wait to see What the day might bring When I was young I thought we were made of stars They show me what we are Our souls bathed in starlight We'd rise into the night When I was young I thought we were made of stars I believe, 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 when I was young, I thought we were made of stars. When alone they'd show me what we are
drifted in a line that mingled with the darkness of the night. Down by the mission way before a simple plate of food. Partner on 
understood but never said About the lives of the homeless They're waiting at the mission for a simple plate of bread
decisions don't seem to me to be bold at all, boys. Experience tells me it has to do with having no choice. Taking stock of myself, I find I never felt quite so alone. I'm here to say, being bold's what you do when you got no home. yourself as a smart girl you framed yourself as desirable pretty indeed you turned out strange and when everything started to change it was you who was sad no more lessons to Rocket from the Tombs was on tour, and Craig Bell and I kept on getting in touch with each other to see what country we were in and whether we were ever going to intersect. Craig, which, Be- Craig Bell, the bass man, he's been on the show. Yeah, he's a good man, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, really interesting cat. Spent a lot of time, I mean, he made his way back to Ohio, but a lot of time in New England, right? Yeah. In Connecticut and stuff. Yeah, his story was really interesting. Yeah. Let yeah. me tell the people what we heard. Made a star, Sally Spring. Now, this is part of Harvey Gold's little sideman 
part of his music journey. He was actually in her band. And like he was saying, uh, North Carolina people. But, you know, music is music. And that's what brings us humans together without fucking boot having to be on our throats, people. Lewis Cole after that with It's So Easy. Uh, Jerome Parker Wells from St. Louis, Stand Your Ground. Drawn Like a Moth into the Light from James Allen. That's a Pedro. Well, he lives in Pedro. I think he's from the Hill mm. originally. Joy Cut with Pieces of Us. And finally, Your Side of the Room, Harvey Gold. Harvey, tell me about this. Frank's putting out this record, my messy uh, volume one. Mm -hmm. Tell the people about it's, this. Well, you know, it's, I've always been a band guy. So, you know, I was in Tin Huey or, I, or Chris and I had the band Half Cleveland. And sort of, uh, so this ends up being a few different bands. Um, you know, Your Side of the Room, I recorded with my most recent band, which was Half Cleveland, which was Chris Butler and me and Bob Ethington and um, Friday Mike and Taylor McIntosh, who is the son of Tin Huey's very first sax player, Lockie McIntosh, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, but at any rate, we recorded four songs in the studio not that long ago. Then I also had another band that was put together. We have a pal, Bruce Hensel, who's a producer and an engineer. He produced the Chai Pig album. And he came into Akron and wanted to record some stuff. So we put together a little three-piece and uh, recorded some tunes under the name of Harvey in the Hall, since they were my tunes, and uh, except for a Beatles song. Uh, which is pretty strange. And then um, then there's another tune that, that I had threw at you um, called Lemon Beasley, which was the original three members of Tin Huey that we were talking about, Michael Elward, Stewart, and me. That's going to be uh, the last one we're going to play on the show. So you're, you're, right. That's, spoiler that's alert, people. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's my sister, Ray. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I kind of went, the way I organized your tunes on the show was shortest to longest. Okay, well, you found the one that's the longest, that's for sure. And song for Joanne, when you played that, that was just, that. all I could think of when I was recording that was uh, Vivian Stanchel, yeah, the Bonzo Dog Band. Sure, know. sure, sure. Uh, look, we're at the end of the second hour. Uh, December 12, 2020, Dishawaf Pedro Show. Special guest, Harvey Gold. Hold tight for hour three. About at some point about how you loved the first Richard Hell album because you oh, loved yeah. the idea of a guy who wrote songs from the perspective of being a bass player. Well, not only that, he ran the fucking band. Well, I, I couldn't believe that the, bass used to be where you put your retarded friend. It was like right field in Little League. I know, I know. Well, when Tim Huey moved to Woodstock, you know, Woodstock's a small place, and. Our bass player, Mark, stayed back in Akron. So we had a, a guy that we used who played on a few tracks that we did, but he didn't want to be in the band. And one morning I woke up and I thought, you know what, Harvey, you're never going to be black and you're never going to be six foot ten. So your power forward in the NBA days are just not there. <laughs> you might as well become the bass player. So I became the bass player for us. So I was doing keyboards, played bass. We got somebody to replace me on guitar. And... This was one of the songs that I thought about what you were saying. You know, when you write, if you spend your whole career writing on a piano or a guitar and suddenly you're picking up a bass every day and you are still a songwriter, my God, does that change your perspective? 
You're talking about using the bass guitar as a composition tool. I'm saying that's where it all would start. And that was fabulous. It was like a completely different way of looking at doing music, making that move. Wow. And I thought it I thought of you, which is why I put almost transparent blue on the list. I really think that's the future of bass. I don't think it's more strings. No, uh, but it's you not. know what? We should start the we should start the third hour. People, December 12, twenty twenty. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pete Rose show. Tag you up and take the blood right off of the floor. 
Told me I was a lazy boy. Told me over and over and over, and so I was, or I became a lazy boy. Now you see it coming from a mile away. Don't want daddy to think I'm lazy. So every minute of every day, he sees me meaning to be, to do, to get. It's a sin. So it's a city for me, 'cause doing the do's are built in. And Daddy stopped saying that years ago, but Daddy left town a few years ago. Me and him ended things so sad. Seems like things can't go anywhere but wrong. As I write this, there's a purpose. It starts with art and ends with pain. 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 Starts with art and ends with pain.
Watt from Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Almost Transparent Blue. You've heard from Tin Huey. You've been hearing us talk about Tin Huey. Well, there's some Tin Huey people. And, and, and tell us about this tune, Almost Transparent Blue. Well, first of all, the, the, the great pride I took in it when I wrote it was over the fact that it was a kind of rocking up-tempo tune about being a junkie right. because – I, you know, I'd listen to Needle and the Damage Done and I listened to Heroin a million times. And anytime I was hearing stuff about about doing smack, it was always like this dark dirge like universe. And I thought, screw that. You know, it's we're going to do something a little different here. You know, I mean, the, the lyrics are definitely saying, watch out, honey, don't do this. Don't do like I do. But the bottom line was, I thought, you know, there was. There, there's a reason why people do this, do the drug, and it's because of how good it is. And so why not write a song that sort of has that feel? Plus, as I was saying, I remember listening to you talk about, you know, writing songs as a bass player. Right, right. And I had moved from performing live with the band on guitars and keys to getting other people in the group when we were in Woodstock. And we went out on the road with me playing bass. And so I started writing songs from the perspective of the rhythm section with Stu and me, which was revelatory. I mean, it was it was a completely different way of looking at songs, which I thought was like kind of a fabulous period. And, and I notice you say songs. You don't say bass lines. A bass line is just a part of songs. Got verses, chorus, bridge. You can do yeah. that on a bass guitar, people. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. like you said, you don't need more strings. <laughs> no, 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 no. Then we heard uh, Brett Nelson with Lupus, uh, untitled excerpt from Tollum Wimberly Parker and Nels Klein. I think that's Zena Parker on the on the what's that called harp. And then finally, Lazy Boy from Harvey Gold. Lazy Boy, you're yep. talking about the chair. No, actually, the Lazy Boy is <laughs> talking about me. Yeah, no, that was a joke, Harvey. I know, I know. Uh, you know what? It's funny. You mentioned Nels, and we were talking about this other stuff, and I'm like, you know what? I want to go on Watt's show, and I want to interview him. Mike, what's the story with Big Walnuts Yonder? Holy crap. Here's the story. This young a guitar man named uh, Nick Reinhardt. Hey, who's that guy who played guitar on your first opera, Contemplating Andrew? He said, Nels Klein. You want to know uh -huh. him? Yeah, I want to know him. I said, well, if you want to know him, play with him. Okay. I said, I'll call him up. And sure enough, what his thing was, you find, you got to uh, tell him to find a drummer. So he picks the Greg Sarnier from Deerhoof. Deerhoof. He's an, old, he's an old buddy of Nels's. So right away, bing, bada, boom. Where do we do it? Tony Mamoni's studio in Brooklyn. Uh, right. Right. Studio G. And uh, I think two days, I wrote uh, eight songs. Uh, Nels I, wrote a song, and Greg wrote a song, and that's the album that you hear on uh, Sergeant House. I got to tell you, this friend of mine who's got a radio show, an internet radio show called Trans Music Airwaves, I said to him, you know, I'm going to go on Mike's show. And he goes, oh, that's funny, because I'm, I'm playing Sponge Bath by uh, Big Walnuts Yonder on the show. So I was listening to it, and I thought, holy shit, what are these guys doing? So I, I listened to the album, and I thought, especially, you know, what we've been talking about today really strikes me, because when I listen to Pud, 
All I could think of is it's the magic the magic band meets Faust meets what the fuck. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, both Greg and Nels, they they just show up to play. They don't, they don't, uh, uh, they, 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 they've done so much improvised work. They yeah. Don't, they, yeah, they they wait for the moment, you know, to give you that first take feel. I mean, it's virtually first take. I believe it, because there's this one part on I've Got Marty Feldman Eyes <laughs> where I described it as bizarro world meeting a big country moment. There's this one part of it where I'm like, what are these guys doing? This sounds like big country. Oh, nope, not anymore. You know, none, none of it had singing. That was the young guy Nick's idea at the end. So uh -huh. we recorded it not with no singing at all, he, not even picturing it. So he put that on, like, had me do that one there. But, yeah, I mean, those guys were reacting in the moment. You know, it was just incredible it, was, guys. it really reminded me of early Tim Huey, and it was great. But, but I, I mean, just, the idea of learning from somebody by playing with them. I mean, I think that got lost. I saw when Petty Bone would bring me to Bebop uh, jazz gigs, you'd see mm -hmm. Max Roach play with Ravi Coltrane. You know, he'd have him in the band probably. I know they paid him more Econo, but still the idea of mentoring, playing with somebody to learn from. Sure. It's, it's fabulous. It's an amazing thing. You know, that's why, you know, when I sent, was sending you tracks and I sent you uh, the thing I'm doing with Golems of the Red Planet and the thing I'm doing with the Hi-Fi's, it's like this is a stage of my life where I'm just being a musician. You know, with the Hi-Fi's, with the, with the Christmas tune you played, all I'm trying to do is become a better piano player. So I'm thinking, what would Nicky Hopkins do, or what would what would uh, what would Bill Payne do if they only had like 15 percent of their ability? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, funny and you mentioned other... that because I want to play Gullums of the Red Planet right now. <laughs>
the end of suffering Love will come to town And to all their empty creed And to all their timeless Love will come to town Walking through the snow Lay the wreaths out, tears shall flow Raise your glass, let freedom ring Love will come to town Thank you.
Uh-huh. <laughs> from Pedro's show. Last music for this edition. Harvey's enlightening me to the <laughs> nuts and bolts <laughs> of Gollum's of the Red Planet. Yeah, Ziffum was the tune, people. Man, I love it, man. And uh, thank, you. It, uh, um, thank you to Mr. Zorn and his Lower East Side influencer stuff on him. Up the Hudson yeah. River came to Harvey Gold. Mike Cooper after that miniature four. Spain, that's Josh hey, Charlie Hayden's son, Josh, with thank Love you. Will Come to Your Town, his sister Petra on a violin. And finally, Lemon Beasley, Harvey referred to before, Mr. Ray Violet, which is his sister Ray. <laughs> Yep, clears the room. <laughs> what a Billy in the Descendants. He calls that a hall raker. Uh, where can people find you, Harvey, on the internet? Well, um, if you put in Harvey Gold, it's messy on Google. It'll pull up all the places and all the reviews that we've gotten. We've gotten a lot of very, very kind words said about us, which has been swell. And I like and, to join in on that. But Ian McKay would say, you put that name in a search engine. <laughs> Yep, you put it in the search engine. Yeah, I mean, Matt, obviously. Well, you you, you 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 mentioned a brand there. Well, if you go to if you go to Smogvale, you know Smogvale Records, which right, is uh, right, Frank, Frank's label. Right, yeah, right. you know you you'll get you can get the album there, but it's available on all the digital. But, but the, Harvey, platforms. Harvey, there's no Harvey Gold website. Uh, there's a Harvey Gold Wikipedia page that I didn't start, and I have no idea who did, which is really <laughs> weird. But since it was started uh, between a, a, one of my best friends and myself, when he checks in with me, he's actually kept it fairly accurate. So there's a Wikipedia website. Uh, there are Facebook pages for Tin Huey. There's a website for Tin Huey. There's a Facebook page for Half Cleveland. There's a YouTube channel for... Uh, for Harvey Gold, there's a YouTube channel for Half Cleveland, which has all those. See, you got to you got to get a web page that ties all that shit together. So you, it's you're under control, and there ain't no middleman. Uh, it's interesting to well, you know. I'll tell you what. You go back to the lyrics, <laughs> the lazy boy. Let's see why we don't. It was just to suggest, Harvey. Of course, I love what you're doing, and I want to hear more music out of you. And in fact. When more uh, gullums and more hi-fis come out, will you come back on the show so we can play it and talk about it? I'd be happy to. I just want to hear more Big Walnuts Yonder. When we're done here, I'm just going to go listen to that and drink coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. People, it's been uh, December 12, 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.